we really need to change some things we're doing if we want to have success in the future. The decisions you make have a huge impact on the kids' lives. I am by far horrified of regret. I'm scared of waking up in five years with the athletes that I work with and having the athletes resent me and be bitter and not want to be involved in the sport of gymnastics for the rest of their life. The emotional discomfort of realizing that your kids don't like you because you yell all the time, yeah. right? And, and having to swallow that or the emotional discomfort of realizing like, wow, I care more about money and status and social media than I do about intrinsically helping the kids become better people. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Roddick, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events, and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode nine of the Gymnastics Growth Show, where I'm back again with Dr. Dave Tilly. We were together in the UK as Dave was a guest speaker at my annual flagship coach education event, GymCon, and he delivered a phenomenal presentation called The Eight Keystones of Peak Performance. In this podcast, we discussed the launch of Dave's free book titled Changing Gymnastics Culture and the motivation behind writing it. We also talk about how to become bulletproof as a coach, and we get deep into the important roles of self-reflection, professional development, growth mindset, values, and more. As always, please let me know what you think of this episode by tweeting me or tagging me in your Instagram posts and stories at Nick Ruddock. And if you love it as much as I do, please don't hesitate to leave us a review on iTunes. Here we go. Let's just do it again. Dave, my man. (laughs) But we're back. We're back. (laughs) Stage two. Yeah, that's it. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm I'm humbled and grateful and thankful to be here. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, So listeners, Dave is in the UK again. We're back. We went back and forth. We went back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I've been in Boston since. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you were in the UK for an event last year with me. Mm-hmm. I've been in Boston in March, and now you are here in the UK because we've got GymCon tomorrow. Much where grander you're scale. Speaking, yeah, it's a it's a big event tomorrow, mm-hmm. so it's a grander scale. It's my annual flagship event, so it's the big one. And, you know, six months work goes into this one day that's yeah. happening tomorrow. Yeah. So honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. And um, we were talking earlier, weren't we? A lot, a lot's happened yeah. in the short time since I've last seen you. Big couple months. Yeah. Big couple months. May, the early May, I released uh, my new book that I'd been working on for the last year uh, for free for the gymnastics community. And uh, that has created quite a wave, you know, in multiple ways, shapes and forms across the world. What's it called? Uh, just Changing Gymnastics Culture, mm-hmm. uh, Reflections, Lessons and Visions for the Future. So yeah. it's an accumulation of my career so far. Not just as a medical provider, but as a former athlete, coach, and studying and observing the landscape in 20 years, and then sparked and catalyst by everything that's happened in the last year in gymnastics. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there, you've seen it with lots of different hats on. You've been an athlete. Yeah. You are a coach. Mm-hmm. You're a medical provider. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting involved with some pretty cool research and things. Yeah. So things are expanding, yeah. but you're seeing things from different perspectives. Yeah. I think that's a, a very interesting, um, unique part of my life is that I've had these different points of view. And there's many people who maybe are a former gymnast and are now a medical provider or had a background in athletics and then went on to research or medical field, but I still actively am in the trenches, so to speak, as all three roles. I still mm. coach four days, five days a week with younger athletes in a jail program. I still treat roughly 30 to 40 gymnasts per week. I consult with many people around the world now, and I also um, actively pursue research and write strength programs for people. Yeah. Yeah. A lot going on. Yeah. It's fun though. I love it. Um, what's been the 
knock-on effect of the book's release. Because yeah. what, what I, I tell you what I saw, I saw a lot of gratitude, mm -hmm. a lot of people saying, you know, thank you so much for putting this out to the community. Mm -hmm. I mean, you put it out for free. And that, I mean, how long did that take you to write? Because we, we were going back and forth and you were telling me, I mean, it was like at least nine months. Yeah, probably. From inception of actually just after the, yeah. after the physical prep master class in the summer was uh -huh. the template forming, drafted for two months, and then it was probably six months of when I was really like kind of in a cave by myself. Yeah, and you went all in. I mean, it was like blackout, no and, social media, yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah. And so that was a pretty big time investment. And there's a lot of gratitude that you've done that and you've yeah. just, you just give it out, which is, which is amazing. Mm. What have you received? Like good feedback and mm -hmm. lots of emails, I'm assuming, of people asking for further advice or... Sure. You know, yeah, it came in stages. It came in stages. The first week was just like, holy moly, this is a big project and thank you so much for doing it. And I was happy to offer it. I was happy to be able to have a voice. I'm grateful for the opportunity to pass along my value. Uh, and after that became, so the book's in three sections. And the first section is more about personal development. It's about looking at yourself first before you try to lead other people. And I think it's about a lot of points that people wish maybe were talked about 10 years ago. So that section of the book, people like a lot of people were like, this resonates so much with me. Thank you. Like, I realize I have to change. I realize that I have work to do, but like we see this on the global international gymnastics landscape. So thank you. And then now actually in the last few months, it's been people are moving on to the second section, which is flexibility, physical prep, energy systems, and the medical chapter. And that stuff is definitely, um, I put that in the middle on purpose because that is starting to tug at nerves and it starts to cut close to the bone about like, we really need to change some things we're doing if we want to have success in the future. And um, that has come with a little bit more friction, a little bit more resistance of a lot of people just asking me, emailing me like, I understand, but like this person does this. What do you think about that? Or like, well, these people made successful athletes, you know, why don't we just follow their methods? And I have to be much more open and tactfully approaching those. And I guess it comes down to defining what success actually means, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, if, we, if we're purely thinking about medal count, mm -hmm. then that's one level of success. Okay, yeah. fine. But we're we, you, me, Miss Val, who mm -hmm. we've just talked to yeah. as well, you know, our definition of success is very different. It's more about the process mm -hmm. to create that outcome. Yeah. Still intending to have the same outcome. Mm -hmm. And we all still believe that we can have that outcome, but we're, we're looking for a, a great process, right. nurturing happy, healthy, hungry athletes, right. which is why we're here this Absolutely. weekend at GymCon. So yeah, I guess you have to be quite politically correct in some respects yeah. as well. And I put trying. that, those are in my slides tomorrow. It's one of my slides is my definition of success yeah. after this journey I've been through. And I always, um, I've gone through a lot of change myself in the last two years with the book and with stuff like that and figuring out why I coach and why I'm still involved in gymnastics. I, I practically work for free. You know, I, mm. our, our organization is a YMCA that has a JO program and all of us are not, that's our, not our full-time job, yeah. you know? And so we all ask ourselves why are we still here? And I think that something that resonated with me from Gary Vee's content is that I am by far horrified of regret. I'm scared of waking up in five years with the athletes that I work with and having the athletes resent me and be bitter and not want to be involved in the sport of gymnastics for the rest of their life. I think that I'm lucky I had a coach who I was not the most talented athlete yeah. and I just worked really hard and he was with me stride the whole way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that allowed me success. And I think that I'm trying to find that as a medical provider, as a coach, as a human of how do I educate and empower the community of gymnastics to realize that the decisions you make have a huge impact on the kids' lives. They spend more time with you probably in the, in the higher systems than their parents. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, yeah. so that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. So now the book's out. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. So in terms of, because like it was a massive monster project, but you mean mm -hmm. you're just getting going really. Yeah about your key message yep. and I mean you're doing this because you feel like you can help the gymnastics community right. 
So what's next, do you think, in terms of that process of getting gymnastics to where you believe it needs to be? Sure. Yeah, it's just funny. I just had this conversation with Eva, my boss, who yeah. you didn't meet, unfortunately. But she was asking about, like, what do you do now in the summer? Like, what's the next step? And it's funny because I, I had this there was four years of reading, research, and just studying and studying and working with people to formulate my ideas and then a year writing a book. And I was like, oh, I'm done, right? Yeah. And then as soon as the book hit and I saw the impact and how many people asked me to maybe travel and speak, I was like, I just tied my shoes at the starting line. You know, I'm, I stepped up to the line now. Like now we have to get started. And I think that you and I and Val and everybody else who's in this, just a group of people who are trying to push change feel this way. We're like, we finally have said something that's of so much value people want to listen and it's now it's time to work you know yeah. now we got to hustle and that's where i'm at now is i think that the next three months for me is full of a lot of content that i've tried to make for my blog and um getting more video content out and getting people to further understand and be like okay i know i need to do these things but what do i read where do i go mm. who can i work with and that's what my job i feel like i'm acting more as a vessel shift has become a conglomerate of a vessel of the people i'm lucky to have in my life i want to feature their knowledge and their expertise and pay that forward to the people that are viewing it and i want to do that in a way that i can maybe value my offer my value of opinion but then also get like i just did a um hour-long Q&A with two fantastic nutritionists mm, that are so good that, friends yeah. of mine, right? And then, you know, we're going to do an interview with you and I want to try to get more people involved because I want people to be like safe, feel like they have a place to go to for high quality, evidence-based, expertise knowledge. Yeah. And medical research will support some things, but it won't support a 20-year career of technician, right? So like we should ask somebody who has that opinion, mm -hmm. what are your favorite drills or what do you like to do for this? How do you handle this situation? I feel like that's a, a large gap that exists right now in the international landscape of gymnastics is people have so much information overload that they use things that they're worried that aren't filtered through the experience or the medical literature or strength conditioning research. And so that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create that platform through um, a couple more courses online. You know, the book will expand into mini courses like that people could have. And then traveling, I'm traveling quite a bit in the next four months to some different countries. You've got an exciting year, haven't you? Yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, trying to get cool. it all in. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll manage. You normally do. So what's the most common questions that you get? Do you notice patterns in terms of the challenges that coaches are coming forward with? Yeah. So there's there's kind of two buckets. There's people that uh, approach me and my website and my work and the book through a technical ground level nitty gritty strategy tactics. They want to know what drills to use. Like everybody has kids with stiff shoulders or has kids with stiff hips, right? They want to know how do I get stronger? How do I get more flexible? How do I get faster? Right? That's a huge part of it. And a lot of people also kind of go into the injuries that they find me because their kids are hurt. I probably have... 50 to 100 medical injuries inquiries you know through social media okay. through emails all the time and so yeah. you know that's a backdrop the reason that the kids are probably hurt has to do with the workload and the thing the basics of the basics as we say that didn't really go well mm -hmm. so there's that half and it's like flexibility strength cardio all that stuff and then there's the other half of my um, people are much more curious about the culture the personal development things that allowed me to maybe become more well-known. Um, people are curious about what steps they should take with their kids to ensure a trusting relationship that doesn't jeopardize their health. I get a lot of people who are like, I want to push my kids and be stressful, like the proper dose of stress, mm. but how do I not hurt them? How do I not break them down mentally and emotionally? Because I think we're seeing the byproduct of maybe some decisions that were not had the kids' best health in mind and the, the multiple decisions that are being made I call them the 0.1%. People okay. say 1% better every day. Mm. I think that comes from 0.1% in the gray zones, right? It's not yelling at the kid when they flip out. It's choosing to wake up and read. It's choosing to take care of yourself as a human first so you can lead others well. Those are small micro choices. And so people are asking about what do you do? What do you do with your staff? And I think that's kind of where a lot of questions come in those two buckets. Mm. 
I mean, you say like getting up early and reading and looking after your body. I mean, okay, 0.1%. Yeah. But the return on that investment is like, yeah. it's monstrous, isn't it? 0.1 decisions make yeah. huge, huge. Yeah, over time. Road. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at is people are, I'm gathering the patterns of what people are asking for and I'm trying to package content that's very helpful, right? Like I put together a compilation video of like, a girl on our team, exactly what everyone else is going through. Like I'm going through the same things. I want my kids to be healthy and successful. I have some kids that just want to love gymnastics and enjoy it with their friends yeah. and be done after high school. I have three or four athletes that want to go to college. So I'm trying to navigate those waters. And then we have an athlete who had a mental block on her um, handspring handspring series because her shoulders were stiff, mm-hmm. hit her shin, got a big beam bite. You know, she kind of got better, but then on the way back to go, we need to fix your shoulders if you don't want to be terrified to swing your arms backwards. So I documented over three weeks, the pre and post test and gave people every single thing I did. And it showed a noticeable change. And I gave that as a piece of video. And that was extremely helpful for people because it was backed by a lot of science, but it was very easy to implement. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I think that's what we're all trying to do is try to find out how do we translate this very overwhelming body of experience or background of knowledge to these three or four things seem to go well. Now it's up to you to work. Right. And that's what the book is. That the book was like, I wanted to take away the financial and the power gap that exists in education and be like, this is everything you could probably learn about in these things. It's up to you to work. If you want to work really hard as a person and make your kids better, I will 100% always support you. Mm-hmm. But if, until you take that step and want to help, you know, I don't know if I'm the person to jam it down your, you know, yeah. put like throw it at you. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening now. It's being successful. The website's traffic and people's attention and the growth of people that I've been really fortunate to meet with, like, Val and some other people in other college or international programs has skyrocketed because I think that everybody's trying to find a better answer than what we've been doing. Yeah. Everybody struggles with that, myself included. Yeah. And you think that the, I mean, obviously culture is what the book, the book's title has got culture in it, you know, improving the culture. So do you think that one of the challenges that the gymnastics community has is that this is the way we've always done things, but there wasn't necessarily and hasn't been the, the, required evidence-based research which has gone into those methods mm. but they've become so ingrained as the, yeah. the status quo it's how yeah. we do things yeah and it's not just how we do things in the u.s i mean this is every country this yeah. is the uk yeah this is australia this is china this is the way we do things in mm. gymnastics but now we, we should be at a point where we can say well okay that's the way that we've done things how about we we search for a better way of doing it sure and by better we mean one that doesn't compromise the healthiness and the happiness of those athletes. Correct. That's what we're striving to do. So same outcome, different process, like better process. Yeah. Am I right? Completely right. Yeah, I agree. I think that I've I've thought that way. Again, I had a coach and, a, and I had a facility and I had a college team that was morally on point. We did. I think that we did the right thing when it was the harder thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of that background, when I entered the coaching world on a, on a landscape of looking around, I just always viscerally had some uncomfortable feelings about like the way we were treating kids. And uh, what we were doing this, like, why are we here? What are we doing this for? Are we here to, to show off new skills on social media or show off the, the medals? And the, is, is that why we're doing this? Yep. Um, like, yes, it's good to get a college scholarship. But if you limp into college and you resent everybody that got you there, are we successful? And I think that's what we're, everyone's facing right now. And so this is for my personal development. And this is also for what I view shift through. And this is also through what people, I think, everywhere are doing it is we, unfortunately, myself included, over the last 10 years have had a bias to look towards the things that are going well and we have ignored the things that we don't want to talk about we have ignored the kids that are hurt and didn't go to the competition we don't see them on the competition floor we've ignored the five or six kids that quit my gym and left because they didn't like my way i was coaching style right we've ignored the harder things about ourselves and our core values that may be misaligned and we're 
projecting our anger onto our kids by yelling at them or, or feeling like we're insecure about our power mm. and our control of the situation. So we, we try to take it out on the kids. And I see that a lot. That was myself. That was a huge ego. And I know you've talked about how you kind of went through that transformation. Yep. 100%. And so I think that I and myself and my gym have all slowly but surely had the harder painful conversations. And I call it looking your demons in the eyes. If you can't even admit what you're most scared of, and if you can't admit what is going wrong in the gym, why the girls are yelling at each other, or why the coaches don't want to be there, you can't have any technical conversation, right? Mm -hmm. People are taking technical solutions to cultural problems. And that's what I think is happening right now is now we're starting to see the doors open about why we are, you know, moving in the right, the better direction now, but we didn't have those conversations. And we just kept looking the other way. And we kept sweeping under the rug. And we kept making bad decisions. We didn't have a collaborative discipline approach, right? We just power tripped our way into it. And we thought it was working. It was working. If we filter it through social media and don't show all the dirty stuff and the mm. things that didn't go well, but we just show the medals and we just show the success and we just show the college scholarships, but you don't see the five kids that got hurt at their gym because that one girl made it, you know? And now that we're doing that, it's going to open the door to be vulnerable. And I think once you get through that as a human, you can be a better coach and a better leader and you inspire greatness in your kids. We've got to have a, a level of humility it, and allow yourself to be in that vulnerable position, which which means being in control of the ego, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Like accepting that you might not be doing things right, accepting that there's a better way, being proactive, trying to trying to learn. Yeah. Holding your hand up and saying, "I need help." Absolutely. And not just holding your hand up, but actually seeking help. And there's look, there's a lot of coaches doing this. There's, there's millions of people around the world, but yeah. within gymnastics, yeah. there's there's thousands. You've you've probably had emails from thousands of coaches over your yeah. time who are doing the right thing. They're yeah. seeking out and saying, yeah. look, I don't know, I need help. Absolutely. I get it all the time as well. You know, I get a, a hundred, maybe not thousands, I get hundreds of emails a month from, mm -hmm. from people around the world and just saying that I need a bit of help. Like can you point me in the right direction? Yeah. And that's the right way to do it. There's two layers to that. One is that I think as the, we all come from an athletic background, coaching or whatever, there's this type of like discomfort that we're cool with, right? Physical discomfort, working hard, you know, conditioning's tough, grinding through skills. Like as athletes, we have no problem with physical or mm -hmm. grunt work, you know? But the more important but harder is the emotional and the psychological discomfort, right? Like the emotional discomfort of realizing that your kids don't like you because you yell all the time, yeah. right? And, and having to swallow that or the emotional discomfort of realizing like, wow, I care more about money and status and social media than I do about intrinsically helping the kids become better people. Mm -hmm. And when you, I had that realization, like I'd say that I've had two big dips in my life where I was really bummed. And the second one that came with my realization was clarity to the fact that like, wow, I'm really off the, the beaten path here mm -hmm. and I need to redial myself in. But those two buckets of discomfort are way more than any physical discomfort you can ever yeah. personally deal with, right? So that's the first layer. And as you said, this is the other reason I wrote the book because I was... I was frustrated with gymnastics and all of the people that I saw that were doing it well. Mm -hmm. That I've met so many incredible people, yourself and now Val's a perfect addition, right? Like all these people that I'm like, you are exactly what needs to happen. And there's multiple examples from an individual level, from a team culture level, and from a multi like coaches who make successful athletes over 10 years because their systems and who they are is on point, right? And I was frustrated with a very small subset of gymnastics that are full of, of people who didn't have that and they ruined it for everybody. Mm -hmm. I was mad. I was really angry with some people at USA Gymnastics and I was really mad with people who did the wrong thing and it blew up in their face, right? Because now people view gymnastics as those people. They think that gymnastics at a whole is those 
handful of people mm, that minority. made the wrong decision. Yeah. And so there's that layer of me that's angry about them and wanting to change and provide the next generation of athletes something different. But there's also part of me that's like, there's so many people that deserve spotlight because they're doing the right thing, right? I've like Val's a perfect example. Like we should be studying her methods and trying to learn from her yeah. and mixing it with what I know from the medical side and what I know from my coaching point of view and then mixing that with your expert and technical knowledge. And then we should mix it with the nutritionist technical knowledge. And then we should mix it with the sports psych. And everybody should stand around the athlete and be like, we're here to help you. It's yeah. not about us. We're not the hero. You're the hero and we're trying to help you. That's how I've grown to this point now. Going back a little bit, you were talking about... Um understanding your own demons and I mean it's, it's self-reflection and yeah. it's self-awareness yeah. I know I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and we talk about this a lot but for good reason it's mm. so important yeah. like high-performing people they live with this they live in this stuff of yeah. constant reflection yeah self-awareness like how can I improve yeah as opposed to like what does that person think of me how is this going to affect me you yeah. know Yes, yeah. but it's tough to get the penny to drop. Do you say that in the US? Yeah. Okay, it's tough to get the penny to drop. I've found personally that a lot of messages, you know, you can be hitting it hard and you're really trying to get people to understand it, but until it actually drops for themselves, yeah, they're not going to change. Yeah, that we can be talking about this now. There's people listening, they're not reflective, they're not self aware, they're not conscious. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how much we talk about this right now and in the pop, that it's not going to happen until they have the right. realization of themselves, right? And then they'll be like, Okay. I've yeah. Got it. Yeah. And this goes into one of the more common questions that I got with the book is like, how in the world did you write that? Yeah. How, like, how did you write that? And why are you doing it for free? I had a lot of people who were like, you can't give this away for free because you're undermining the value of your content. Right. And what went into that, and it kind of goes along with what you said is, I think that, um, once you realize that you're limiting your reach and you're limiting your impact to help people and you're limiting your own ceiling, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, yeah. once you get past that barrier that like, oh, if I change a little bit, I can have a monstrous impact, right? And not just stay in my lane. Like mm -hmm. your ability, and I call it transcendence, right? Well, not like a meditative way, but like the ability to transcend the previous version of yourself and slowly grow every single day allows you to make a huge impact with the, the 20 girls that you coach. And that makes a huge impact when you go to a meet and your kids love gymnastics and everybody else sees you and all the other coaches are like, wow, they can they can be on the podium and they love being here. Like what the heck, what's going on, right? Your growth and your ability to help other people and be selfless comes from figuring yourself out first, mm -hmm. right? And I've learned from studying other people that when you conquer your own demons, you become bulletproof. When you know what scares you the most and you actively work against those things to be better with your habits and your choices, nobody can offend you. You know, you're like, yeah. you know, if even if someone relentlessly attacks you, because I've had a lot of people who really throw a lot of smoke my way, you know, I'm not bothered about by it because I know that I'm doing the best I can with the tools that I have right now. And I love Jordan Peterson's quote. It says, be better than you were yesterday. Don't be better than somebody else today. Right? Like, are you improving versus yourself? Nice. Or are you trying to find everybody else around you and keep your head in a swivel? Mm -hmm. Right? And the reason I blacked out social media was because I needed time. Right? But I also, I, I, there was so much information on USA Gymnastics coming out that every time I looked at social media, it was a bash fest. Just like people were outrageously upset, which is fine, but people were just ripping apart other coaches, chopping their legs out. How dare you do this? I can't believe you did that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I understand your frustration. You want to vent, but nobody is making forward progress, Yeah, right? Everybody has to just take a big step back and be like, what can I do as an individual to collectively help the masses, right? What can I do to work on myself and others in my gym mm. to be better? And that collectively is how pockets of the gym culture will grow together. Yeah. And so that, that's where a lot of it came from. But it, it takes figuring yourself out and being humble and 
realizing you know one thirtieth of what you probably could know, right? And finding people who can help you with all that. And probably only know one thirtieth of what you think you know. <laughs> exactly, you know, you yeah. know what I find fascinating is that really that like we, we you know new technology and comes out and new concepts and the science improves, but we're using the same resources that have been around for millions sure. of years. Like sure. In terms of what is available to us on the planet, yep. nothing's changed yep. since the beginning of time. Yep. It was all here. Yep. We're just slowly improving our understanding of how we can use those resources mm-hmm. and create new technology and things. And totally. I think it's the same with, it's got to be the same with us as coaches. You know, I am the same person like physically, spiritually as I was 20 years ago. Yeah. And I'm going to be the same physical person. In, obviously I would have, uh, you know, got older, but mm-hmm. in another 20 years yeah, time. Sure. And I, I'm just going to be a product of what I allow myself right. to learn and, and evolve to, because I kind of see it as like, um, you've got an iPhone, right? Yeah. So you like, you update your phone yeah. and like you had the, oh, yeah. the, the this week you had the new <laughs> yes, yeah. and And that's the way I see it. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, so now I'm version 11.2 yeah. and like next month I'm going to be version 11.3. Yeah. These are the bug fixes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is the new stuff. That I've great. got. So it's like I've I've fixed these. I've been working on that either through self reflection, mentoring, battling my demons in different ways, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. But also, this is what how I've upgraded myself. Yeah. I've read this book. Yeah. I've had this great conversation. I've dealt with this conflict, or maybe that could be a bug fix. But yeah. you get the idea. Yeah, totally. And and you know, you constantly are upgrading yourself. You're upgrading your internal software. That's kind of like the analogy that I use. Yeah. And something that I, I think I've learned recently about in studying high performers and studying people who like, I like to study the people that did really, really, really well. And I like to pe- study the people that totally tanked, the people that you don't hear about in history because they blew it. You know, yeah. and there's a lot of really good books that talk about the dichotomy between those two things. And this is something I've done with my own journey with myself and with ships, but also with what I try to teach the girls is there's this concept of the crucible, right? And that the crucible forges new things. Like mm-hmm. you put in the old version of yourself and then you add adversary and struggle and discomfort and pain and, and frustration and you crush like all that gets mixed together with your growth and you come out a better person on the other side. And all these people that you see that are icons in gymnastics or that are icons in the business world or icons everywhere, these innovators, yeah. they didn't get there by accident. They went through a lot of really big roller coasters up and down. And, and the way you can, for people that are listening is take the experiences you have and say that, like, yes, I need to improve and do this, but this is a step and it's a narrative that I'm creating to the next step, right? Don't view it as like, I can't believe I'm doing this all wrong. I'm totally blowing it. It's like, okay, this is part of the realization for me to get to clarity is that I had to start with mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've done with the shift in my personal life is seeing so much things that like took a lot of time or that I was really frustrated with, especially in the gym with the girls. I'm like, why isn't this working? Like we're doing so much wrong, right? Why, why can't we be better? Um, and saying like, okay, that's going to be the crucible that forges the next version of the coaching staff that's going to be representative of good values. And that's going to forge the next generation of kids that grew up in positive values, healthy, happy, hungry culture that will feed the next person. And like, you can't, you can't just read a book and be like, oh, I got it. Yeah. You yeah. know, you have to read a book, figure out what it means to you and then work. Implement. And absolutely. Adapt. And then struggle. Yeah, and yeah, struggle yeah. and just be okay being like, I'm uncertain. I'm nervous. Mm. There's things I'm going to do wrong. Uncertainty is so scary for so many people. They don't want to change because they're they're scared of jumping off the cliff, right? But once you realize that all of life has some struggle and all of life has this uncertainty component, you kind of take a breath of fresh air, right? Mm. And I call it like jumping off the cliff, building the plane on the way down. There's times when you have a plan, like let's go with this, right? We're trying a new strength program right now. We're trying a new way to do gymnastics. We're trying a new way to incorporate multidisciplinary approach, not just Dave saying, do your assignment, right? Does it work? 
I have no idea. I've never produced a college athlete or an elite athlete, yeah. but I think it will down the road. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, that's where we're at. It's been comfortable with risk, but the only, the scary thing of risk is ego. Totally. It's, I'm going to fail. Yeah. I like risk. Yeah. And if you look back on, on my background, I guess I've taken, I've, I've had a few gutsy decisions that I've had to make, sure. and I've, but I've thrown myself under pressure. And you mentioned that you've had two kind of like real dips of realization, yeah. but what often follows those times of suffering is of course, is the opposite. It's like super compensation. Totally. You know, it's at the, or the process of adaptation. Absolutely. You struggle, you suffer, or you, or you cause some kind of stress. And then with the right process, what follows stress is positive adaptation, which helps to improve. It's the same physically as it is mentally. It is. And this was, I was, when I was, you know, behind the camera with Val's interview, I was listening to what she was saying. It's amazing, right? That's going to be way better than this interview. Don't be silly. It's great great value. (laughs) Um, But I think that something that I struggle and the girls struggle and all the coaches that I've seen struggle with that risk and they struggle with trying to figure out like, how can I deal with this Discomfort. How can I deal with this? Because it's 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 like so uncomfortable to deal with that risk and deal with that uncertainty, right? But you have to realize that that's how resilience is born, right? The best thing I've ever learned in reflecting back on my my own journey is that every time I went through this horrific, you know, failure that I thought was a failure, I still was alive on the other side of it, right? Like I was definitely upset. Yeah. But I didn't Life die. Goes on. I didn't die, yeah. right? And you're like, okay, well, if I made it through that. I can make it that. And I, I compare it to a workout with the girls too, because we dose our conditioning and our strength and our metabolic programs. Like it's hard, man. It's really hard, right? And like sometimes they're in the middle of it. Like this is the worst thing I've ever done. And I'm like, yeah, but you're gonna be okay. Like tell yourself inside, don't hit the panic button. I'm okay. I have seven more minutes of intervals, and then I'm done. Yeah. And then the next week, I say, well, you made it through the sled pushes last week. So what makes you think you can't make it this week? I'm like, well, yeah, you're kind of right. You know, like, every time you do that, like, mm. okay, well, I made it through that. I can make it through this, yeah. right? And that's kind of what I have tried my best. I'm actively working on this still mm-hmm. to deal with how you put these pieces together and you and you walk into like the dragon's mouth, like so to speak. But I have a lot of moments where I was like, man, that was like, I was bummed for a week. Like I made a poor decision or like something went wrong and it blew up in my face and I was really upset about it because it like attacked my core as a value as a human mm-hmm. being. But then I was still alive. I was still there two weeks later. And I'm like, okay, well, like a month went by and I kind of like was in a funk, but I got out of it, read some books, did some reflection, talked with some friends, like got myself back in rhythm. And I'm actually better now. I'm I'm a better person than I was. And I think that coaches can adapt that be like, all right, we're going to jump off the cliff. We're going to build a plane on the way down. We'll throw out 30%. We'll keep 30%. The middle of it, we don't know yet, right? But then you say like, okay, well, if I made it through that, I can make it through this, Mm. you know? And you kind of attack that. perspective, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's important. I think it's important for the community. Like it's a competitive community. Mm-hmm. We need to support each other. Yeah. Even if you've got a club down the road and you're competing against yeah. each other, let's just understand. All right, it's athletes first. Mm-hmm. Healthy competition is fine. Mm-hmm. We're a lot of people, including myself. I'm in the business of trying to get nations. Yeah. To win international medals. That's yeah. what that's what I do. Yeah. Of course, I'm competitive. Yeah. But I still want the best for every athlete. Right. And I think that when I know that another country has an injured athlete. I'm not going to mock them for it because I've I, there's not a single high-level coach, probably mid-level coach, that hasn't had an injured athlete, mm. an athlete that's quit, mm. a parent that's angry with them because they've mm. messed up, they've prescribed the wrong stuff, they've made the wrong decisions. Like, we all do it. Yeah. And it's the process that everyone follows. Many people will have multiple injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. Multiple kids leave. Like So instead of mocking each other for it or being judgmental about it. We should yeah. be supporting each other. Absolutely. And in trying to strengthen the community so that we can improve the numbers. Right. Less kids leaving. Right. Less kids getting injured, etc. But they just accept, look, yeah, okay. This kid who is a great kid and she probably could have won this competition. Yeah, she's injured. Okay. 
Yeah. Like, it is. That's unfortunate. It is. That is unfortunate, but it might be your kid next time, and it yeah. was your kid last season, so let's just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, I totally understand, yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I've been involved with all that gossip before, yeah. and, and I've been, and, and I think we're very open about this, that yeah. we don't want to sound preachy and like we've got God complex, because mm. everything that we talk about, we've made all the mistakes. All of them. I've had a massive ego. Everyone knows that I had a massive ego, but yeah. fortunately, I pulled myself out of it. Yeah. And I've had support to do that, and I've read books about it, and, and I even had a psychologist to help me with it, because because I knew that it was something I needed to manage. Mm-hmm. And so, I can speak from experience in that. Yeah. I've had injured kids. I've been part of gossip, but I've got through the other side. And yeah. I know that you have as well. Yeah. You've had those similar battles. Yeah. So, that's important for the listeners to understand. Absolutely. Coming and from it's, a preachy it's perspective. Back to the crucible. There's no way you would have found a psychologist, read all the books, yeah, and taken yeah. time to reflect if you weren't viscerally uncomfortable with what you stood for. Yeah. If you I'm, didn't have emotional discomfort. Yeah. So, yeah. Those, tri- those are triggers. Those are mm-hmm. catalysts to forge something to change, right? Yeah. And there's this really interesting concept that this book that I was reading about is that emotions are a window into your like homeostasis, right? Like emotions serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. They serve a purpose. They kept us healthy and they kept us survival, right? But down the road now, they tell us there's a need for change. So if you're constantly upset and you're constantly burnt out at work and you're constantly frustrated and you're sick of your kids who don't have good attitudes, it's a huge knock on your door that like, hey, something has to change. And until you make a choice to start on that change, you're going to always be sad and you're always going to be upset and you're always going to be frustrated with your kids, right? So don't view them as go away. Yeah. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to feel regret, right? Mike's like, if I'm feeling this every day, I have to figure it out, right? And that's the step. And this is something that laces back to two huge things for myself. Kind of like, she's injured. It is what it is, right? Like what you can control and what you can't control, huge. Your response to adversity, huge, right? You can't control some things. You can't control the traffic getting to the meet and being 20 minutes late to warm up, right? You can control your attitude when you walk in the door. So yeah. like, it is, right? You can't control that you had a freak accident, your grip peeled and you broke your arm, right? Mm. It is, right? I can do a lot of leg conditioning. I can do a lot of core stuff. I can do some mental stuff. I can get back to the gym and support my teammates. I can try to coach and help and learn from watching other people, right? The difference between the person who says, I can't control this and I'm going to move on from it, or I can't control this, I'm going to ruminate on it and I'm going to be miserable, Mm. right? Different paths. Victim versus creator. Correct, right? And how you respond to, I'm fortunate to work with some very high-level athletes and coaches at a professional level who... When you study what they've gone through mm-hmm. and adversity and you say like, wow, how can you still stand up and go back to training? How yeah. can you still go back and want to read more books after you totally messed up someone's medical procedure, right? After you dropped the ball in their rehab and you blew it, right? And you and they went back too soon and they got hurt again. How do you respond to that? Do you say, woe is me, I'm miserable? Or do you say like, dig my heels in more and let's get to work? Yeah. Yeah. And you're, re- you're reading Black Box Thinking, aren't you, at the minute? Mm-hmm. That I, I yep. think, did I recommend that to you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I find is a great book. I, I listen to it. I listen to most books rather than read them, but I, I found it really interesting. Of course, it talks, for the listeners that aren't familiar, it talks about the lack of accountability, which is in the medical industry. Yeah. More talking about hospitals and the way they operate. Yeah, it's very um, relevant in sports ortho, though. Okay. Versus the significant accountability systems processes within the aviation industry because the aviation industry has a phenomenal safety record Mm -hmm. although we hear about every now and then there's a big thing that happens they're very infrequent relative to the number of flights that have taken off and and they've got amazing systems in place so the the book is fascinating for any coach I think it might sound very uninteresting but actually there's a lot that coaches can pull from that 
it was written by Matthew Side, I believe, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, who's written a lot of sport books as well. So it's it's really interesting, but um, yeah, kind of goes into what you're saying there. And it goes with I read like um, a lot of stuff I studied the Navy SEAL, so Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick. Love is that book. Another thing, and I just gifted yeah. that to my boss because we're kind of going mm-hmm. through this, like what's our next step kind of thing. And it all goes back to accountability, yeah. right? And I think tying this back into gymnastics and what we're going through now is if you're not aware that there is a tectonic shift that is happening in our sport that's going to change in the next five years about how we overhaul our systems and work collaboratively, you need to open your eyes. Yeah. Because everything, and again, this is not just USA Gymnastics, this is the international mm-hmm. stage. There are multiple examples of people who made the wrong choices or did things that were improper with kids' health and it's coming out to fruition. So like, if you don't realize that we're going to change, you got to get on that bandwagon, right? But next to that is when you start asking, every time you point a finger, it should be in a mirror. Because yes, there's things that other people have done wrong, but you're not innocent. Yeah. I'm not innocent. You're not innocent. Miss mm-hmm. Val's made a lot of mistakes. We all have. Everybody has, right? And we owe it to ourselves to realize that. And that's why I love that book because he talks about how like, and this is on a level that's way more severe that I feel like with gymnastics yeah. is like, he's talking about like accidental plans that killed friendly soldiers and that like SEALs died because he mm-hmm. made poor decisions. And he had this huge big meeting with his job, his commanders, right? And they were like, whose fault is this? And he's like, it's mine. Yeah. I'm the leader. I need to change, right? And that hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, man, this guy is taking on SEALs' lives, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, when the when the girls flip out and they if someone's yelling or if a parent's upset and I they say, like, whose fault is it? It's my fault. I didn't communicate with the parent well enough. I didn't break down why we're doing this drill and why I need them to work hard and why this matters for their gymnastics career well enough, you know? Like, yes, there's times when people do things that are just outlandish and it's like, yeah, that's your fault, right? But at the same time, it's like, it's my fault that I carried that with me and I was angry and practiced for the rest of the night, mm-hmm. right? There's all those things that come back to like, what can I do to take control of it? And if everybody did that, I think yeah. the community of gymnastics would just completely elevate altogether. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're going through. That's what all the people that we network with are going mm-hmm. through. So people that are listening don't feel like, you're just one dot on the map that's doing it with a bunch of kids that are not highly competitive or elites, right? It's like, no, you have extreme ownership and you have an important role to play with those nine kids you coach because those nine kids are going to follow your example. And there's very good research to say it influences burnout rate and psychology, which I'll talk about in my presentation. That influences those nine kids affect 20 more kids when they grow older and they mm. want to stay in the sport and the exponential effect, the ripple effect of what you do as a human to affect nine kids that affect 25 kids down the road is monstrous. Yeah, yeah. And I think people underappreciate that because they're not elite coaches and mm. they're not medical providers that work with professional athletes or whatever it is, but everybody has a responsibility to positively influence the nine people around them, yeah. whether that's a preschool class or whether that's the Olympic team. Totally agree. So what are you looking forward to tomorrow? I can't wait to, I'm not going to lie, I'm looking really forward to meeting everybody and just mingling and just like thanking people for coming from different countries. Like that's baffling. There's no gym con without people who want to learn. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for people to to hear their thoughts and I'm really excited for your and Val talk. I want to hear like, (laughs) we're we're working through cultural development and I work in a gym that's really much starting from the ground and we went through five years of getting to zero Mm -hmm. and now we're in the first, second year of growing positive high performance. Yeah. So I'm always trying to find out new ideas of what we can do as a gym. Nice, man. Well, we can't wait to listen to you as well. Thank you. Um, It'll be a great session. And thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Gymnastics Growth Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes or your chosen podcast player, subscribe, leave a review, and share the show with your network. See you next time.